Advancing public health with wearables. Strategic development of IOMT biosensing lifestyle devices. Episode one, what are IOMT wearables? Use case examples and a regulatory categorization and defining the IOMT sensor landscape. Today, we're speaking with Christopher Montalbano. He's the CEO of MIDI Medical Product Development. Chris, can you provide some uh, quick background here uh, on how you, uh, how you establish MIDI? Absolutely, Matt. Uh, MIDI is a second-generation-owned medical device development firm located right outside of New York City, and it was started by my father. I run MIDI as a co-owner with my brother. We've been in business over 45 years, and we assist clients in taking the next step in their medical device development, infusing innovation and competitive differentiation using our development DNA approach. So, and Chris, thank you so much for that background, because uh, I think it helps uh, helps bring home the point a little more and paint a little bigger picture. Now, this appears to be quite an interesting topic and, and really quite relevant, given the rapid home healthcare industry growth pre-COVID and the explosion in demand for telemedicine and telediagnostic solutions as a result of COVID. How do you recommend stepping us through the strategic development of wearable IOMT biosensing lifestyle devices? Certainly. Uh, let me start by saying the best way to step through this is to first discuss what IOMT wearables are, providing then use case examples uh, and then outlining some of the benefits they provide to the medical community. IOMT, otherwise known as the Internet of Medical Things wearables, are network physiological sensing smart devices that are intimately engaged with the body, measuring key parameters and providing important contextual information from the human body, generally used outside the medical facilities. Simultaneously, metrics data is collected and analyzed at the device in a smartphone app, and or cloud apps for the benefit of providing health service insight to the user and or healthcare providers. So to encourage use and compliance, it's imperative that the devices be embraced by the user as a lifestyle device, allowing them to use it in their daily environments, meaning home, work, and transit away. So what would be some examples of use cases that are well-matched to this type of medical wearable lifestyle device? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, some examples include uh, one is chronic disease management, like diabetes. Uh, another, uh, remote patient monitoring, collecting health metrics like heart rate, blood pressure, temperature, blood oxygenation from patients who are not physically present at the healthcare facilities. Also, another example, diabetes management, using what's known as CGM or continuous glucose monitoring to then trigger automatically an insulin injection. Another important uh, case being Parkinson's disease monitoring and the collection of continuous data about the severity of the symptoms and how they fluctuate over time. And that mitigates the need for extended stays at hospitals for observation. Also uses relate to depression management collection and analyzing the data such as heart rate and blood pressure, which can infer information about a patient's mental state also very important uh, as far as use cases, remote diagnostics. Now that's not telemedicine, but actual telediagnostics and doing it remotely. There are many other examples, although a final one to mention is clinical trials. So pharmaceutical companies are looking to collect information to analyze the impact of medication on patients more rigorously and accurately 
enhancing a personalized medicine approach and accelerating clinical trial tests. Now, these use case examples cover a broad spectrum of the medical industry. Speaking of the industry, can you outline some of the benefits these IOMT wearables provide to the medical community's stakeholders? For sure. Uh, One benefit is enabling new ways of engaging and empowering patients with service-centric solutions that address the needs of the patient, the provider, and the payer. Another is improved efficiency, mitigating latency and gaps in measurement versus treatment that formerly existed when interaction or measurements only occurred in office settings. Also accelerating feedback loops between the patient and the doctor. Additionally, supporting personalized patient care, enhancing patient outcomes and accelerating recovery time and preventing rehospitalization. And another important benefit, uh, clinical grade diagnostics outside the clinical setting. And there's a, a long list of benefits, but the last one to bring to light right now is that these devices provide new insights from longitudinal data sets and integration of contextual information, providing critical insights and empowering enhanced decision-making via mining, managing, and analyzing a population of patient data that has been de-identified, de-identified because of uh, HIPAA compliance and protecting patient data. Now that we've got a general understanding of the IOMT wearable landscape, what would be the next level of detail to understand? Well, Matt, um, first, the IOMT wearable development team should determine which category their device falls into from a regulatory perspective, because this will significantly shape the technical commercialization approach. So note that when we talk about the device, it is a system approach and includes the wearables, the supporting app, both locally on the smartphone and in the cloud. So there are two general categories. Uh, One is the wellness wearable, and the other clinical grade wearables. So let's hit the former first, which is the consumer health wearable and their apps, also known as wellness devices. So these devices are used for personal general wellness or fitness, such as activity trackers, smartwatches, and support bands. These devices are not making a clinical determination of your health. They're providing data so the user can be informed and self-directed, enhancing their lifestyle and wellness goals. So remember, they are not FDA regulated. Now, the latter type we mentioned, which was the clinical grade wearables and their related apps, they are used in conjunction with expert advice from a healthcare provider. So these devices aid in making a clinical determination of your health, providing data so the provider can make evaluations. So they generally need to be certified and approved for use by one or more regulatory health authorities, such as the FDA. Now, it's important to mention in July 2016, the FDA issued a guidance document dealing with this topic, and it's called the FDA Guidance Document on General Wellness Products to Address the Growing Market of Wellness Devices. And in that document, the FDA defines general wellness products based on meeting two criteria. The first criteria is that it's intended for only general wellness use. Second criteria is that it presents a low risk to the safety of users and other persons. Now, the guidance then goes on to describe a general wellness product's intended use, and they describe it as there's two components. So number one, an intended use that relates to maintaining or encouraging a general state of health or a healthy activity. And uh, the second intended use 
is described as an intended use that relates the role of a healthy lifestyle with helping to reduce the risk of certain chronic diseases or conditions. So what does all this mean, Matt? So that the FDA maintains that they will not regulate general wellness products, again, also called consumer health wearables, and they will not regulate them as long as they do not make claims about disease prevention, treatment, mitigation, or cure, but rather claim to sustain or offer general improvements to conditions associated with a general state of health. Now, when preparing for device development, it would appear that the functionality of the IOMT wearable is heavily tied to the sensor technology, which is down-selected. How does one begin to choose a sensor modality? It's a good question. Um, So at the highest level, the answer to your question is explained via insight provided by one of our partners, who's Ryan Crodell, uh, a VP at ValenceCell. And Valence Cell is a manufacturer of a multitude of component-level sensors, which reside on PC boards, and we often team with them using their components in our wearable IOMT device development. And actually, Ryan will be joining us later in the podcast series to discuss the unique approach taken to matching up the sensor to the physiological assessment and user experience. So quoting from Ryan, he says, quote-unquote, you begin to focus on sensor types by understanding the time frames in which the data will be most useful for clinical decision making. For example, you have your short-term time frames; they would be the daily and weekly. You have the midterm time frames, meaning monthly and quarterly, and then you have the long-term time frames, yearly and lifetime. Now, for the purposes of Midi's podcast series, we're going to focus on the first two, meaning the short-term focus which is predominantly physiological sensors that acquire data in a continuous real-time and non-intrusive manner. And we're also going to be focusing in the podcast series on the midterm, which predominantly relate to biosensors that acquire data periodically, looking for biomarkers from biological body samples, some with minimally invasive techniques and others being non-invasive. So performing diagnostics on a condition using a continuous real-time basis is not valued in this instance. Discrete periodic measurements are preferred. Now, you mentioned two major classifications of sensors, biosensors, and physiological sensors. Can you provide an overview on the differences between them and how they are applied? Well, hang on tight, Matt. We're about to take a deep dive on this subject, as well as demonstrate how to commercialize these devices under MIDI's innovation roadmap, utilizing our development DNA approach. So under this approach, MIDI's team of engineers and usability experts tied to their industrial designers have the ability to utilize the development DNA's innovation roadmap to address the functional, lifestyle, cost of manufacture, safety, and business requirements of what I'm going to call the quote-unquote golden standard approach, which is paired with the follow-through to execute upon that approach in a rapid, agile product development fashion under MIDI's quality-first umbrella. The next podcast, episode two in this series, will explore wearable IOMT biosensory devices, their definition, applications, and the innovations to address their challenges. The subsequent podcast, episode three, will explore wearable IOMT physiological devices. We'll see you next time. 